funny. Truth or dare? Dare. <laughs> oh, God. This is Mark. And this is Kenny. And this is All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Very special episode. Truth or dare? Mm-hmm. Um, Mark, just before we even get into this, do you did you play Truth or Dare when you were a young person? No, no. And I didn't play Spin the Bottle. I was lame. I was totally lame. I never played Truth or Dare. I was never allowed into this, the cool circles where they were playing. Mm. Like, I was not popular or cool enough or cute exactly. enough, I guess, to be. I think they probably could smell my gayness, even though before I knew I was gay. Do you know what I mean? But wouldn't that be a really good thing to have in a truth or dare game as a queer person? So that I mean, kind of all the rules are kind of bent? I guess not when you're like 13. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in 13 in the late 80s, mid 80s, I don't think so. I may have played it when I was a little younger because I do remember touching tongues with somebody. Oh like pre 10 years old mm. and that may have been a truth or dare like i dare you to touch tones but that mm. was it and then we like Wah! ran away it was very <laughs> i love it um we weren't around in a hotel table outside on the on the the drinking evian or drinking pellegrino or whatever yeah uh-huh well listen here we are i i want to just say and i i hope this is cool mark that this is our third attempt to record truth or dare. It's true. It's true. We because we grapple with this because it's not you know as as we always say on all I want to do is talk about Madonna. It's really about the music and um, truth or dare is a is a documentary film about the the Blonde Admission tour. But it it it's it's kind of difficult to talk about because it's so big. It's such a monolith moment in Madonna culture and. Yeah. Um, uh, there's just a lot to unpack with it. And so yeah. we're very um, self-conscious about that because we know how important it is. I mean, Madonna rarely looks back herself. And the one time she showed up to a screening of anything she's ever done was for the Truth or Dare anniversary. Uh, At Museum of Modern ago. Art. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, part of that is because she's like, I am an artist and therefore this film is now in the Museum of Modern Art and therefore Correct. it's important, you know. And, Lo but, and Lourdes was with her. So I oh, think right. she was showing Lourdes like, she's I like, used to be really cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, to your point, I think, yes, I think the pre there's, there's a weird, this is the only thing that I felt like a pressure about. Mm. And it's also like a... Um, a sense to, you know, this goes back to me talking about like how Madonna has been such a private thing for me over the years, like my experience yeah. of Madonna. And this film is a really seminal private moment for me. Even when I've talked about it with other people or even watched parts of it with other people, it's sort mm -hmm. of like, it feels like my own home movie because there was something about this film that like, it showed me so much you know yeah. and when did it, you see it for the do you remember when you saw it? let's start there with like where did you see it honestly i it must have been i must have been in new york um as an undergrad and i don't honestly remember where i was or who i was with it's like all a blank i just as long as i can I can only just um, remember seeing it like just that. I remember that first experience of seeing it, but I don't know where I was. So you saw it though in the movie theaters. I'm almost positive. I saw it in the theaters. Yeah. I always imagine yeah. it being at landmark. 
Yeah. The landmark wasn't there then. Yeah. So it would have been like Angelica. Yeah. Um, so it's possible I saw it there, but um, I don't remember. Now, see, um, I was still in, I was in high school and I was starting my, I was ending my eighth grade year. I was starting my freshman year of, of high school and uh, in Warren, Ohio, it was, it did not play. It didn't, I think it played a, a movie theater in Cleveland and it played a movie theater maybe in Youngstown. Um, I had the same problem with the with the Twin Peaks prequel, Fire Walk With Me, the mm, next year. Yes. I couldn't, we had to drive to like Pennsylvania to see that in the theater, which I did with my my friend Shelly. Hi, Shelly. Uh, so I saw it when it came out on VHS. I rented mm. it uh, at the Blockbuster Video in my hometown. No, it was called Front Row Video in my hometown uh, when it came out. Um, after the fact. So I kind of knew a lot about it before mm -hmm. I actually saw it. And I saw it alone in like the basement of our house. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm I'm thinking for sure that I saw it by myself. I don't think yeah. I probably wanted to invite anybody because, you know, everybody, every somebody else is going to like have a comment or not be, you know, I didn't have a friend who was like as obsessed with yeah. Madonna as me, Same. you know? Um, and so I remember, you know, but I just remember that the film like, similar to desperately seeking susan it like changed my persona you know yeah or and and it was like everything the film was like everything i thought madonna was and yet even more mm. you know yeah um i did see it in a movie theater i think it may have been the 10 year or the the 10 year anniversary or something mm. and i was in chicago and um, people applauded after the musical numbers. Ugh. And I remember being like, oh, it, it was so disruptive to me. And I realized how intimate it had been, a, a, a viewing experience up to that point. I had it on VHS. I got it on DVD. I think my boyfriend and I at the time used to watch it together. But I don't think I've seen it with people very much in my, like prepping for this, I watched it by myself like I always yeah. do. On, D, on the DVD I bought in the in the like mid aughts. And that's what I've always kind of totally done with it. I don't, it, it's not something. And yet I've had some of my best conversations about this film with friends, but we're not watching it together. We, we kind of both watch it and then we go, oh my God, Moira, or, you know, <laughs> or, oh my God, Clay, you know, Carlton, or, you know, God, she works hard. Like all of those different observations you make over the years, but the, 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 the experience of watching it with people, I think was very jarring for me. And I didn't, I didn't want to do that again. And I'd kind of steer, it's kind of like, um, going to concerts and so I've steered clear of opportunities to watch it again with people. Totally. Yeah. Same. I mean, the same for this, like, you know, I'd be like, Sheldon, I'm going in the other room to watch truth or dare. Please do mm. not disturb me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's like a very, I'm going it's to like church, a, Sheldon. Please yes, leave me this alone. Is, yeah. I need to pray. Bye. Um, um I will, I, yeah, yeah, I have this idea. Um, if you'll um, indulge me, that one of the ways that we could sort of unpack this film is yeah. with a diagnostic that I use. Um, you know, I teach playwriting and I'm a writer and so are you. And I have this diagnostic that the great playwright Marsha Norman uses when she uh. wants to talk about a play with students. And it's five 
like it's five or six questions that sort of take you through the story. I love this idea. Every we are we are just doing this off the cuff. Let's just do it. I'm okay. in, man. Let's All right. do it. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna just say what the what the the structure is and then we'll go point by point. Okay. Great. Okay. So the structure is the first thing is this story is about, so we'd say truth or dare is about blank. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then it's like it takes place blank. Mm -hmm. The main character who we have to define blank mm -hmm. needs blank, okay. but blank. Yeah. And then the story begins when, and the story ends when, right? Um, so I always suggest like saving the story is about until the end, you know, like we should do all the others and then go to what it's about, but we can start at the top if you want. I don't know. What do you think? Let, let's start at the top. Let's, let's follow Marsha's okay. prize winning Marsha Norman's uh, way Pulitzer of doing prize. this. All right. This is so exciting. It's so, <laughs> I hope, I hope all of our listeners are enjoying this as much as I am. Okay. Cause okay. everyone has seen this movie. I mean, we, we, I mean, we, we'll if you're talk listening, about some of the yeah. nitty gritties, but like, let's yeah. do it. Let's yeah, if you're it. listening to us, then you know you've, you've you know truth or dare. Yeah. So okay, truth or dare is about truth or dare is about a found family that is created during an extraordinary circumstantial work experience over I, the course of a year. I love that. Okay. So that's like the story, but what would you say thematically it's about? Cause I think you're absolutely right that that's exactly the story. I think it's about freedom. It's not, has nothing to do with art and uh, it's about hard work. It's about uh, connecting with mass amounts of people and individual people. Mm. It's about survival. It's about endurance. Mm. It's about the power of music and how that can transform somebody living inside of a hurricane. Mm. Wow, that's so good. So now I'm going to ask you to even take it even to one word, okay? And the you have four choices, all right? Okay. And this is um, something I learned from one of my um, colleagues. She says that all stories are about one of four things, or you can put it into four categories, or they can okay. be a combination. And the and she says it's she calls it leaf, L E A F, love, enlightenment, absolution, or freedom. So which of those four, or could it be a combo of those? Love, enlightenment, enlightenment. absolution, and freedom. Mm -hmm. Well, I did start with it being about freedom, but. Um, I'm not going to say it's about freedom. I think it's about love. Mm, I think so too. I think the the film is about because the thing about Truth or Dare that's so that holds it together because really it's a, it's it's um it's almost like ironically since we've just finished talking about Dick Tracy, it does feel kind of like a comic strip in a way. It's like here's a little adventure. Here's a little adventure. Here's what's happening in this city. Here's what's happening here. Oh, she's almost getting arrested. Oh, she's you know, the yeah. Vatican is coming out again. Oh, her, her. Oh, old friend from yeah. from childhood from is childhood up. is showing up oh yeah. you know pe the the dancers are fighting oh sandra bernhardt arrived oh warren <laughs> Beatty. like it's these little episodes but yeah. what ties the whole thing together are the relate the, the kind of collective love that 
Madonna feels for the for the music for the dancers. The dancers feel for her, along with a little bit of fear. Um, her love of of working and performing. Yeah, and just everybody's and and the audience's love because um, truth or dare, in a lot of ways, you're never not aware of all the fans because there's that roar of the crowd, that constant roar of crowds. Yes. Whether that's them fighting backstage, getting ready to go on stage, you can always hear the crowd. And I love I love that constant you know, that constant, um, oh, those, the people are waiting. There's always a group of people waiting yep. for them. Yes. Yes. And I mean, they love I think you and they want, you know, totally. Yes. I agree with you 100%. This is a story of love. And I think that, you know, goes with Madonna's revolution of love. First of all, I think you're absolutely right. Like the act of performing and traveling the world yeah. is an act of love. I mean, how can it, I mean, yes, it's commerce, it's capitalism as well, but I think in Madonna's heart of hearts, and we know this from, you know, Madame X, like ultimately it's not about the money, you know, no, it's, it's about not something money. else. It's not about the money. <laughs> so I love it. This is a story. Truth or dare is a story about love. Great. Okay. Um, it takes place. It takes place around the world but in the crevices of those places. We, we rarely see, we do see the musicians and the band and everybody, um, but the majority of it is the dancers. We see them sometimes seeing the cities, but the majority of the set, if this was a play, it would be backstage and in hotel rooms. It's the behind the scenes places yes on a, on a tour i don't think we ever see any of japan for example or toronto or uh we do see some of michigan obviously because and of paris there. we don't see la we don't see right. we see some of new york obviously during the during the pride parade that they, yep. they go to in but paris the when they go to the, the chanel store the chanel store um, we go on the gondoliers in italy like, yes so we do see some we do go to a party and we're on the Beach and Nice. Yeah, but um, the majority of it is in the crevices of the of the world. I love that. I'm gonna add on to that and say, we the story takes place inside Madonna's bubble. Yes, yes. And then within that, it's all the bat behind and yeah. the side and the surprising angles because we're seeing from a different point of view, which also resonates for me with that sound of the crowd, which I think is outside the bubble, which is why it's always muted. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're not mm -hmm. in, the, we're not there. We're here looking at the crowd all the time, yeah. you know? Um, nice. Okay. Um, this one should be easy to start, but I think it may get harder as we go. So our main character. Oh, our main character is well, I mean Western girl <laughs> her name but it's Madonna right I don't think there's any yes, question her name's that, Madonna <laughs> she's um, our protagonist our antagonist and our denouement <laughs> <laughs> she's our ally and our enemy yeah she's she is she's at the center we don't need to describe her though we can but we don't need to it's more about like our main character Madonna needs what what does she need um a good a good night's sleep um she needs love 
It's about love. She needs love. She she mm. seeks it from the dancers. She seeks it from everybody that she's um, getting. Um, I don't think she 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 relies on attention. Right. But attention is just one of the. Things it's a byproduct of what. Yeah. 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 She needs love. Great. So then, um, then the next part. This is the thing I think is always really interesting. Yeah. It's like, but. It's like, well, what gets in the way? Because every great story, and I do believe that Alec Kashishian, as our director for this piece, is a master storyteller in this. Yeah. Um, a film and, student that she plucked out of, out of uh, he made a video of Wondering Heights. Wondering Heights, yeah. Yeah, yeah Wondering yeah. Heights. Didn't I say that? You're saying wondering. <laughs> uh, wandering, Wondering Heights. Wuthering, <laughs> Wuthering. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> One, two, three. Alex Kashishan uh, was a film student who uh, had made a film version of uh, Wuthering Heights. And uh, she saw that a uh, kind of a pop opera. She saw that and wanted to meet him and basically gave him five days to be like, hey, do you want to shoot documentary footage while I'm on tour? And off he went. Right. But it was only to shoot stuff in Japan. And then it sort of became like, hey, I actually think there's a bigger story to tell. And that's how sort of they kept going. Yeah, I think I think what gets in the way is the situation, the the, the fact she's on tour. And there's no because, again, the, the film is is a series of episodes. It's not an extended one relationship situation. She has relationships with every dancer that are a little different. She has, a, she has relationships with all the all of her kind of assistants. Melissa, she's got a, a, a relationship with Freddie. She's got a relationship with Warren Beatty, with Sandra, with her family, all those kinds of weird relationships. So she's got all these different relationships and none of them can be sustained long enough to give her the kind of love I think that she's craving. Yeah. The only relationship that's consistent across the film is the one with the audience. Yes. I and think the dancers. But right. But even that gets complicated at times. Like we see um, the microphones cut out. So she doesn't have this direct relationship with them or she has to change something that that takes her further away from the one thing she wants to connect with. But I think you're right. I would say what gets in the way too is she's always moving. She doesn't stop. Yes. Right. And because she doesn't stop, there's nobody that can really stop with her you know, or be with her. Sandra comes and sits down and they have a coffee, but it's like, and she know, shows her her gym. She shows her her, she shows her gym, but she's not going to be there for very long. No. You know, um, when she meets Moira, re-meets Moira, she's like literally on her way somewhere else. She won't yeah. stop. She didn't even make five minutes for Moira, right? Nobody can get close. Part of it is I, I need love, but I don't want to let anybody too close. Right. Yeah. Um, there's still yeah. a bubble, even, you know, maybe the only person inside the bubble is Chris. Chacone. Yeah. Yeah. Her brother who. Um, in it's this an interesting is, dynamic, yeah. too, because I, I don't know. I always would think of it as because I agree with you. I mean, she she never stops moving and she never stops jumping from person to person to person to person throughout the film. But what I also wonder is, is like, OK, well, let's say somebody could keep up with her. Because there's a there's kind of an endurance, kind of like when you were running yes. in Central Park, and she kind of charged. Like, who can real besides the trainers you're paying to keep up with you? Who are you? Who can keep up with you? And then I thought, well, what would happen if Madonna had somebody that would could keep up with her? How would she deal with that? And I don't think she would allow it for unless unless it was a dynamic where like 
they were working for her or because, you know, Chris Ciccone is, is on the payroll for this tour. Mm-hmm. He's not just hanging out with Madonna. He has a job. He has right. tasks every night. He right. has things to do. And he's blamed if something goes wrong. He, she, you know. Absolutely. He, Absolutely. He's the one who has to deal with it. So. Yeah. Well, it's I don't interesting, know. Like, and, and the people that are in equal power to Madonna in the film are the people like Warren Beatty or Sandra or or um, Antonio Banderas and and who who show up for a moment and then they go off because they're doing their own thing. Right. They're not there to service Madonna. No, I think this question of like who could keep up with Madonna is really interesting. I don't know that. I mean, I think this is partly where her marriages have, you know, had problems too. I think both, well, for sure, Sean didn't want to move that fast, right? Yeah. This was part of the problem. Guy Ritchie, I think, kept up for a long time and maybe, maybe there, I, maybe he, he was the one that kind of matched her pace, at least yes. for a while. At that, you know? at that time. Yeah. I think at that time. I don't think Guy Ritchie would have been able to keep up at this, t- if they met today in, in 1991. No, I agree. She had slowed yeah. down a little bit because she'd already had a child and she, well, she would be so angry if we were like, you slowed down. But um, uh, do you know what I mean? And, yeah. but, but yeah, I think that they, they always seem to be sort of moving forward together and doing things in, in, you know, as a team, um, despite how I feel about him, but like, uh, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's the thing. So the well, thing that gets in the way, because I think when, uh, to talk about Warren Beatty a little bit, cause Warren Beatty's obviously in the film. Um, I feel like at when they were at their best together, it was when they were making the film and yes. they were in pursuit of a common goal together. Now in this film she is on tour doing her thing in her bubble he is getting dick tracy ready and promoting dick tracy and he's distracted he's doing something else that requires more kind of attention and then he can give to her and be part of that world and i think that's why that kind of ends yeah quickly because when they're making the movie, they're in a different, they're in his bubble, basically. Absolutely. And now they're in hers and he's completely uncomfortable. Completely lost, you know? Yeah. And again, I think the everything's moving. The world is turning so much faster. You know, I think there's that, there's a quote and I don't have it directly of when he goes to see, he, he sees a run through of the tour, you know, when mm. they were rehearsing in LA and he's like, I defy anybody to not be, pulled in by the energy of the show. And yeah. I think that that sense of that energy was so different than the energy she brought to um, Dick Tracy because she was one of the players. She yeah. wasn't at the center and driving this thing with all this force. But yeah, I think if we think about the film, what we do see is them breaking up in slow motion. Like that moment where we're in her apartment and on um, one West 64th street and he's like, oh, you don't want to live off the camera what's the point of of anything doing anything off the camera that is actually the moment you know where they he realizes we're not we can't be in the same world because i don't want to be in this world you know what i mean well and i and i always and, and i love that and and that's very true and and i feel like i feel like the the la section where uh they have the party <laughs> yeah. uh which ostensibly is his world right yeah um 
that that kind of lays the groundwork for that confrontation scene in in New York with the doctor. Yeah. But in LA, I just remember rewatching it just recently how tired and exhausted everybody else looks at that party. Like if you look, you know, like 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 you know, Mandy Patinkin is there, Pacino is there, you know, John Paul Gaultier is there, uh, Olivia Newton John is there. It's like an it's a '90s goodness. Lionel Richie shows up, mm-hmm. Kevin Costner obviously famously shows up and looks like a dad taking like yeah. like a dad with it, like taking stuff home to his kids. And Warren ironically looks older than he looks the next year when he does Bugsy. Mm. there's just this like she's like this comet and she's just done the she's been the one performing for the yeah. last three hours she's like this comet that shoots through that that sequence so like untouchable to anybody else and they all look exhausted and she's like let's do it again <laughs> yeah yeah well i wonder you know how many of them really enjoyed the show or it was just like a work event that they had to go to to go see yeah. madonna you know, <laughs> just the ring. I know, I know. And to um, business, I mean, like you know, yes. Costner ends it ends a deal while they're there. Yeah, you know, I I think I've told you. Well, in one of our uh, many attempts at doing this episode, I have this theory about that Kevin Costner. You know, that he's saying to her like, "Oh, I don't think the deal is going to work out," and she's like, "Oh, not neat enough for you." And I think that they're talking about the bodyguard. Yeah, I am right. Too. I think that so and this goes to something you know which we'll touch on soon about Ma- the madonna whitney houston oh it's coming honey <laughs> it's coming it's coming little i don't know if it's it's not really a feud it's but a dance yes it's a dance yes, of words yes. it's a dance of words and attitude and in this movie we also see a little dance of words and attitude with um janet jackson Yes. When they're in the Chanel store, right? And she's trying on clothes. Isn't that right? And yeah. somebody says very rhythm nation and she's like, bite your tongue. <laughs> and and yet it's all fun. I mean, I, I think fun. a lot of that plays into this, this fantasy of Madonna as a diva. And I think one of the things that, what I have always admired about this movie, and I've kind of used that in my life uh, is, is the heart, the value of hard work and discipline. Yes. And, you know, that's what's so astounding about this show. And, and, and we talked about Blonde Ambition Tour in depth, but watching the finished um, filmed versions of the songs, you see how extraordinary that tour was. And then in the documentary, you see all the things Madonna did daily to, do, to deliver that performance consistently. Yes. Um, the acupuncture, the constant exercising, the getting enough sleep, getting enough food, getting enough, and constant, the, the constant, the travel, um, the barrage of hard work and, and, and how that alone can sustain you in this weird way. That, that the value of, of working really hard and being consistent can, can really pay off. Absolutely. I mean, this is ultimately at the, the, it's not the heart of Madonna, but it is like the engine of Madonna, which is work, you know, and this is a workplace story. There's no getting around it. We're just always in work mode. I I wonder, you know, um, this is a little bit off topic, but when I was watching the film again, I was like, you know, the way that they shot the musical sequences are so beautiful. And I just wish there was just a film of the concert of that 
Do you know what I'm saying? Well, everybody, I mean, you know, and, and this is happening again. There's a, there's been this surge lately of like, where is the, you know, I think last year it started because it was the 30th anniversary of blonde ambition. Where is the, is the filmed version as we continue to wait for the Madame X documentary, like everyone's been like, well, what about the Blonde Ambition tour? When are we going to get it? And there was a laser disc obviously released in 19, in the nineties. I think of, I want to say it was Toronto. It was not Toronto. It was um, one of the ja- Japan shows mm-hmm. was filmed um, before she, she moved on and they released that on laser disc, but the only filmed version official film version is the hbo one time only right so if you didn't videotape that you don't have it or and there are there are a bunch out there but um i would love it too but and and who knows i mean i don't know necessarily if alex got to film the whole show i don't know either um um okay so the last two questions sort of go together um this story begins when Madonna arrives in Japan. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one with this because I think it's sort of circular. Like it sort of begins at the end, is what I think. You know, because yeah. it, it, it begins on the last, the morning after the last show. Right. So she's in Nice. She's cleaning up after herself. And she's lying on that chaise lounge, just sort of like navel gazing and yeah. talking about herself. <laughs> she's like, I didn't feel anything. You know, this is like, it's like the, <laughs> I just love that idea of like, she just plays into the ice queen so much in that moment. She's like, well, I already made peace with it. I just was like, goodbye. Um, but she also referenced like how she had been through this with people who had died, which of mm. course is a reference to, I'm presuming to Keith Haring and to all the other men in her yeah. life who had passed away. Yeah. Martin. and Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then, so I think it starts at the end. And of course, I've also said in a previous episode that this is also, um, then that it's the same day that she records rescue me because her voice sounds like this in rescue <laughs> oh, me. Anyway, sorry i had to make don't a don't be mean to quit being mean to rescue me <laughs> so then the end so the story if you ends, love rescue me go into our comment section on <laughs> no. instagram and defend rescue me okay you can you can but just don't Please. pit mark and i against each other because we are bonded and we love each other yeah, um um, but uh, the story ends when the story ends when she says goodbye to them, when she breaks up the family at the end of the film, when she's saying goodbye to everybody, and she does that last the keep it together, um, which is ironic because she's alone at the very end, like she is. Like, it, it, it's the thing about the film that's so um complicated is you never feel like she's not in total control even when you think it's like this warts and all documentary it ne- madonna is never not in charge she's in charge of all of her relationships she's in charge of the only time she's not in charge is when she's fighting with warren on the phone in la before the premiere of dick tracy that's the only time i feel like there's anybody standing up to her Mm. I mean, I, I feel like the moment and, and, when, and she, when his, and when his, her, her, her mother, her, her stepmother 
Shows. <laughs> I think she shows throws some shade. Uh, she may, yeah. I, I I was thinking too of the moment where she's fighting with Alex about seeing the adjustment. The adjustment, yeah. Like there's one moment, but I think you're right because even like, and that that's something that points to just one of my favorite moments or most illuminating moments in the film, which is so small when she sees Freddie. I think they're in Japan, and she's like, "It's raining," and he thinks it's funny. Freddie demand her her manager, who's still her manager suffering. at this moment. Yeah. Um, and she's like, you can't come in here. This is a business meeting and closes the door. And you're like, oh, wait, we're not seeing all Everything. of the behind no. the scenes. She's actually curating what we see behind the scenes. There's another layer yeah. that was like, oh, that sort of told me all I needed to know in the story about how much control or not. Yeah, I think that that is the ending. I mean, I also think the end, the the story ends with them all in bed together. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, I you know, th these dancers are, are um, very, very, they're the best. They're the best ones. Not necessarily. I, I'm always blown away by how skinny and young they all look now, look yeah. now looking back. Because when I saw the film, I was a kid and I was like, God, they're so adult and sophisticated and now at the other end of that spectrum, I'm like, God, they're, they're like babies. All babies. of them. Yeah. Nikki and Donna included. Um, and I think I find it very interesting at the end of the movie to see how they're different. They're different in terms of their relationship to her um, versus at the beginning of the film when yeah. they're just starting the tour. Like it's a bit the body language. Um, she's with them in the she, they're not kind of standing around her deferring to her at the, like they are at the beginning of the film. They're you know, taking her top off and like, you know, making fun of her and saying that she can't afford real pearls and yeah. all of those things that are, are kind of funny and shady and, and fabulous. Yeah. Um, yeah. What makes me sad about that is that they step out of the bubble and they really can't get back in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, and you know, I mean, this is like when you do theater, I mean, yes. I, I, I always fall in love with, or you do anything creative with a group you fall in love with each other and you all you do is that is think about that and focus on that and work on that and and then when it's over it's like you always bid fondly to that and you always think fondly of the experience and they're clearly you know I mean like I mean, not to sound all Norma Desmondy but you know I have show posters from my some of my shows in my apartment hanging and some of the people I love the most from those experiences are on the poster. And so I see them every day, but you, you're not with them anymore. And they're not, right. it's not a relevant thing. Um, I'm always curious how Madonna felt watching it recently when she was at, at the yeah. museum, how she felt about those dancers and if she got in touch with any of them afterwards. Yeah. yeah I'm so curious about that. It's like, you know, as we're continuing to go through the decades with Madonna, like there are all these people who enter and become really primary and then disappear. Yeah. And I do, well, they disappear out of our view of yes. her bubble, right? But we don't know if they're still around in other ways because- And and don't you find it interesting that Debbie Mazur is MIA through this whole period? Like she's not in the film at all and Debbie Mazur is yeah. probably her most consistent current still friend yeah 
I mean, who knows what, you know, it's like, we don't know what the ups and downs of that relationship with is. We know yeah. when we get to erotica, Debbie Mazur shows up in full force. So, yeah. Yeah. um, and is pretty much around or in the background of things for a long time. Films and stuff. I mean, I yeah. think she was, she was doing Hollywood stuff. So her career was at a different place. I think that's yeah. more like it, you know, cause we don't see the only friend we see that visits is Sandra. Yeah. And that's only because Sandra was in, Europe making, I think Hudson Hawk at the time, yeah. <laughs> a, a classic. Yeah, Hudson Hawk. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Mark, is there anything? So good. I think. Thank you, Marcia Norman, because I think that was really thank you, Marcia Norman. Um, Marcia Norman. Yeah. And so, hey, is there anything though that we didn't get to that you feel like, Kenny? If we don't say this one thing, I'll feel like we didn't really talk about the film. Um. I think I, I really, I think one of the big things that um, the only other thing that she can't control a lot in this film is her voice. Because mm. uh, this, this, it, this was the first time when I was watching the film and during the, um, the blonde, the one thing about that HBO special is her voice is in tatters. It's the last show. <laughs> you can tell she's really struggling. And her voice did through this tour, this was a big learning lesson, I think, for Madonna, um, both because of the schedule and the way the show was built, uh, that it really takes a toll on her voice. And she never quite does this again. With the girly show, there are regular breaks and the tour schedule is a lot more realistic. Um, this really like does a number on her body and her voice. And I feel like that that's the one other element of her. I mean, we can talk about the hairstyles and, and all of the kind of that, but the reality is, is that she's constantly battling her voice and she has to cancel shows and, you know, she's seeing, she has to do vows of silence and things like that, which, um, are really human. And I think that's probably one of the most raw moments of the, of the film, was, oh yeah, she's this consistent, but she's still having these like vocal troubles. And even in her, in her talking, she's, um, she's. Yeah. I, I'm just going to take that to another level too, because that really makes me think about how this isn't necessarily a story of voice. However, I think you're absolutely right. She's struggling with her voice throughout. She's also raising her voice around the world. Yeah. you know, about love, about freedom, yeah. about sexuality, right? Yeah. I mean, I think at the centerpiece of this film is that speech she gives to the Vatican or to playing the shows, you know, and how that is what her voice is struggling to reach. If anyone talks... Silencio, spazio, I'm with you. Don't talk. If you talk, I will stop speaking, all right? Se parlate, se ne va! Ready? Ready? I'm an Italian American and I'm proud of it. Proud of being. I want total silence or I will not. Lei dice che è un'italiana americana ed è molto fiera di essere. I'm an Italian American and I'm proud of it. Proud of being an American because it is the country I grew up in, the country that gave me the opportunities to be who I am today. 
and a country that believes in freedom of speech and artistic expression. I am also proud of being an Italian because it is my father's heritage and because it is the reason that I am passionate about the things that I believe in. It is also the reason my blood boils when I am misunderstood or unfairly judged for my beliefs. I am aware that the Vatican and certain Catholic communities are accusing my show of being sinful and blasphemous, that they are trying to keep people from seeing it. Basta per favore! If you are, if you are sure that I am a sinner, then let he who has not sinned cast the first stone. If you are not sure, then I beg of you as righteous men and women of the Catholic Church that worship a God who loves unconditionally to see my show and then judge me. No, I must say it all. My show is not a conventional rock show but a theatrical presentation of my music. And like theater, it asks questions, provokes thoughts, and takes you on an emotional journey, portraying good and bad, light and dark, joy and sorrow, redemption and salvation. I do not endorse a way of life, but describe one, and the audience is left to make its own decisions and judgments. This is what I consider freedom of speech, freedom of expression, and freedom of thought. To prevent me from performing my show, you, the Catholic Church, are saying that you do not believe in these freedoms. If you do not believe in these freedoms, basta! If you do not believe in these freedoms, you are imprisoning everyone's mind. When a mind is imprisoned, then our spiritual life dies. When the spirit dies, there is no reason to live. Every night, before I go on stage, I say a prayer. Not only that my show will go well, but that the audience will watch with an open heart and an open mind and see it as a celebration of love, life and humanity. Sono molto felice di essere qui. Un cordone! Fate un cordone! That is how she guides her career for the next decade. She's Absolutely. now got this platform, and this is what she's going to choose to do with it. She's not going to make uh, easy pop, pulpy records like she's been making. Um, and she could continue to make. She could just be, you know, a hit songstress for the next. She could be the new Andy Paley. She could just just yeah. song after song after song after song. Um, instead, she's going to take us take us to different places and um, challenge everybody. And for good and bad. I mean, I think that there are good things and bad things to that whole thing. But the '90s really are about that for her. A hundred percent. Five years, certainly the next five to six years. She says, you know, when she's in bed with Nikki and Donna, and she's like, "Well, I know I'm not the best singer, you know." And she also is self-conscious about, you know, she knows that they're better singers, you know. Yeah. She's like, "But that's not really what my voice is about." And she's you know? raspy in that moment. She's yes, like, she "That's is. the moment where she's like, you know, I'm I'm sucking on a lozenge because I we have a show tonight." Well. 
this is this is just it's great it's a it's a documentary that um it, it's one of those pillars of madonna history and um yeah i i, I don't recognize her anymore like i mm-hmm. it's madonna but it's not the madonna of today obviously and we're not no. the mark and kenny of then um and it's always nice to go back to it i, think. I agree i i agree sometimes i think it's sad We'll never be that young again. (laughs) No. No. Till next time. Bye.